Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And this is early Sunday, but uh, better vibes. We got somebody in full effect that's doing a lot of community work. Gabrielle, how you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's definitely cool having you in full effect here in Detroit is different. So we're going to start this Detroit is different journey how we usually do. We had like a great pregame talk where you were helping me think through some things. But now the spotlight's on you. All right. Family in Detroit. What led your family to come to Detroit? What led my family to come to Detroit? Um, I think it it goes back to... um, Kind of a migration. Most of my family came from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I've been there a few times. A lot of my, like, great aunties are there, but most of my family settled here. Mm-hmm. Um, had a auto company jobs, you know. Um, my grandmother, most of my family did a lot of, um, like, medical work. Mm-hmm. Nurses, uh, firefighters. Um, my grandfather was actually... Um, police officer okay a firefighter a emt a nurse uh they were just a super uh emergency guy um okay <laughs> so a lot of uh a lot of things jobs jobs all right so tuscaloosa alabama and people are a little bit familiar with that because the university but also just alabama a lot of alabama roots in and throughout detroit uh, what was it like going down there when you were younger fun it was a lot of fun. I remember trampolines. You okay. Know? I remember really big bugs. Mm-hmm. I remember um, being in the backyard and having to sit in like a net. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mosquito. <laughs> just to protect yourself so you could be outside, you know, mm-hmm. at night. Um, I remember um, games that people would make up, you know, shooting cans, like little, you know, kind of reckless little games, mm-hmm. you know, lots of walking. I remember the color of the sand. I remember uh, just being hot, being okay. hot in the house, being not being able to escape hot, you know. Um, yeah, it's a different heat <laughs> in Alabama. Um, almost like sometimes needing to be outside because the inside of the house would be so, like, hot, hot <laughs> and, like, you know, have, almost have a smell to it type mm-hmm. hot, you know. Um, I remember uh, so much family. I remember coming back to Detroit and I was like, like talking like this mm-hmm. everything i said had like hands to it and uh-huh. like these things mm-hmm. um you know had had a little swing to my my voice mm-hmm. you know um i remember it being a little slower um slower in almost how it feels in winter here you know yeah. um where it's just everybody taking their time you know um people's uh i would even say it's a similarity in our pace and speaking you know um when we deliver things in our cadence mm-hmm. um from people in detroit and, and people in alabama you know mm-hmm. yeah. uh you still got people down there i still got people down there i still got um some of my aunties and uncles who are getting older they kind of like, they're moving back they go back to alabama mm-hmm. yep they like yo if i'm passing out i'm passing out yeah yeah <laughs> not shoveling <laughs> snow <laughs> i'm gonna spend the rest of my days in some heat yeah okay cool cool so side of town where where did you uh where did your family kind of uh strike its match here where did they uh settle in i like these questions mm-hmm. i would say that um 
West Side. West Side. I lived on Joy Road in Pearson, wow. which is like two streets behind Rouge Park. Mm-hmm. Um, walking distance from Lessinger, walking distance to Cody, mm-hmm. you know, McCall, all of those schools. Okay, so Rouge Park itself is definitely storied, and I'm going to ask you some questions about that. All right. Uh, the, as some people would say, the, the West Side's Chandler Park. But okay, a Westsider okay. would never say that. Okay, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> an Eastsider would say that. But um, but that neighborhood, uh, and that neighborhood is definitely, um, when I think of that community, a lot of churches over there. Uh, it's churches everywhere, but it's a lot of churches over in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then along with that, it still is sort of like that connection to um because it's sort of adjacent and running alongside Dearborn, some of the Arab-American community. Um, what was it like being there when you were younger? When I was younger, um, I mean, it was great, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about it, I have um, a lot of the people that lived on my block uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger are still people that I know, um, still people that have been my friends for 20 years, mm-hmm. you know. Um one of one of my best friends, you know, um, stayed across the street from me. Wow. And it was it was uh we knew everybody that lived on the block, you know, we knew every single name. Um it was almost until recently that I realized how um unique that is. How unique it is, you know. Um and also how how um how times have changed, you know. Um mm-hmm. going back into those neighborhoods and, and realizing that some of my stories is missing, you know, that I can't I can no longer count everybody that was in the house you know and, yeah. and say everybody's name because it, it's so many it's so so different that i i don't even remember no more you so know? playing as a kid had to be and in some ways that was how our, our neighborhood was but playing as a kid sometimes was tough in those types of neighborhoods because it's like you know you ride your bike past this fire hydrant or something it's like everybody knows you it's oh, not, yeah. oh yeah oh you know, yeah it's not oh, like yeah. you're a stranger or something oh it's yeah like, i gonna tell your grandma it's like oh yeah, 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 yeah. And my and my grandparents uh, lived there, owned their house for twenty years before I got there. Mm. Um, I live with my grandparents, so they had raised my mother and, mm. and my uncle in that same house. You mm. know, um, but they went to Lessinger, You know, um, mm. and so yeah, everyone knew everyone knew who I was. They knew my mama. You know, mm. they knew my grandma, um, Miss Sandy, or the people that uh, was neighbors of mine. They were also acting as his, mm. as mothers and. They had the 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 control to be able to say, "Hey, uh, you doing something you ain't supposed to be doing, you know?" Yeah, no take, skipping school. Go home, you know. You had to you be know. a little bit more uh, <laughs> covert. You needed the Ronald Reagan mask to skip yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what um, what about your grandparents? What what were they into? What was uh, what was their flow coming up from Alabama? Well, um, so I think they might have been first generation Detroit, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of what they were into was church when I was growing up. What church? You know, um, they went to Kojic, mm-hmm. Church of God in Christ. Okay. Um, they went all the way out in Romulus, hmm. um, you know, to to a pretty far away church. But um, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was a black church. There was um, a bishop that was over it. They, I remember, um, one, that being one of the spaces where I fell in love with the drums. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, just 
watching a church drummer play is really amazing. Like, it really is. And um, you were there almost every... Kojic is some serious church. It's some, That's serious, not, uh, it's some serious church, man. That, that may be like 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock. <laughs> you know, it's some serious church, man. When, you know, the younger years, you know, when I was... When it, you know, maybe about 11 is when they got into church because they wasn't always into church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it... it we had all had to clean our acts up at the same time. You know, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody in the house had to clean the acts up, you yeah. know. Um, and from about 11 to about 15, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, yeah, revivals, you know, shut-ins, you know, mm-hmm. rehearsal, after the rehearsal, we Bible studying, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the things, you know, all the things. So... As that carries on, what about uh, Alabama? You, you got to ask about the cuisine and, and going back into uh, fruits, vegetables. What what was uh, what was some of the foods that they were into? My grandparents. Mm-hmm. So. And then did they teach you how to cook some things? They did. They did. And and cooking is a major part of my life right now. Um, just being able to prepare my own food, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely think that has something to do with it. Um, a lot of they, I watched them garden, you know, mm-hmm. I watched them cook, you know, grow greens and, and certain from, things in the from backyard the yard. Mm-hmm. and from the yard. Um, I watched them take those things in and clean them and put them in a, you know, sometimes they put them in a washing machine or whatever you had to do mm-hmm. uh, to clean the greens. And I, I would watch the process. Like everything was a process, you mm-hmm. know, um, there was, it wasn't many cans, you know, it wasn't many uh, boxes processed or processed things. It was, it was like. Yeah, I'm about to roll this dough out, you know, I'm about to do this, you know, to make make the pie, you know, mm. um, or I'm going to make macaroni and cheese, but I'm going to pour every layer, you know, mm. and then I'm going to throw that in the oven, you know. Um, mm. And yeah, there was an emphasis on on that and also an emphasis on how much uh, you had to respect that that food right and how much you had to make sure you ate it you couldn't couldn't leave no waste right um mainly because i put this much energy in it mm-hmm. you know because other people may not have delicious food like this um i mean whatever reason they give you right but it was a lot of emphasis on um you know the idea of taking your time you know to make it and then honoring that food right and i'm asking this because my grandma that's really into it um on a couple levels It'll blow you away because she kind of uses the same couple pots. Okay. And she's big into collecting stocks. So, like, stocking meaning um, meaning when you make the greens, is, you know, sometimes people will say, like, the pot liquor, the juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And keeping that stock for flavor as it continues to carry on and throwing other herbs and spices in those mm. stocks to flavor as possibly a marinade. Possibly, like, sometimes she'll use the stock as a salad dressing. Possibly, like... Almost everything, like you said, nothing goes to waste, which to me really ties into the idea of what some of the cuisine and and cooking must have been like during our days of enslavement on a plantation and sharecropping of the scarcity of things, but still having the ingenuity to make everything stretch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... For sure, the concept of, you know, we made this cornbread for this meal, right? But I could save this cornbread, put it in the freezer, and it can go into dressing or stuffing, right, for for Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the bread will be in the freezer, and it'll be, <laughs> it'll be perfectly fine, you know? Um, and goes into the concepts of of what I do with my leftovers now, you know? Mm. Um, and and the, 
the re reshaping of it like this this one dish that we prepared right um like you said we, if if we save it and reuse it tomorrow we can still make something completely different you know um uh, with these ingredients and and just the concept of not having to mm-hmm. not having to uh dispose of things you know and uh now this c- kind of comes back to um or your 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 grandmother and your grandfather um are they still alive yes okay so the pots and pans it still becomes one of those things like do you get any access to any of those pots and pans because it's still those traditions of saying like it's something different in them pots you know yeah have you gotten any access to some some of those so you know i don't think i ever asked to be to be one and i don't think i ever asked um Mm -hmm. what i I've taken note, right, of of um, recipes, of recipes, also of the cons, right. Like it's a difference between a cast iron skillet, right, mm-hmm. than it is in uh, Teflon, right. Mm-hmm. It's just a difference, right. Um, so taking taking note of what it takes to build, um, kind of those your those, kitchen tools, yeah, those foundations are that one pot that I'm gonna use, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like, you know, you got to you gotta take care of your cast iron skillet. You know, you got to put some oil in it. You got to reseal it, put it in the oven a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, don't use no soap on it. Like, just taking in some of those things to to begin to develop what, what my pot look like, you mm. know. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. So, those recipes can still come to you. So, when you yeah. make greens, you can do a greens off with your grandma. <laughs> but, so, what, what's, what, what's your approach to it? Um, what's my approach to it? Well, um, so I got, I got, I got two different hands, right? I mm-hmm. got a hand for like the stuff that I know, like naturally, like, oh, this is going, this tastes good. This mm-hmm. tastes good. You know? Um, and that's mixed in with memory. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now there is another hand that, that's coming out. That's like, how do I take those things that I remember and kind of make them, um, add more green into it, you know, um, maybe less, um, if I can't make it without putting some butter and some milk in it, like what happens, you know, mm-hmm. um, try not to mess up the, the, the core, right. And the mm-hmm. flavor for real, but like just experimenting with, you know, some of the, the, the new ingredients that I've grown. Right. Um, and some mm-hmm. of the flavors and flavor and taste that I've like grown accustomed to. Right. So, um, maybe, you know, um, Instead of uh, throwing the ham hock in there, you know, mm-hmm. or, or throwing, you know, certain things in there, maybe I experiment with, you know, what it looked like to, you know, mix the cabbage and the greens, uh, you know, um, maybe throw the onions and the, the, you know, garlic in there and the peppers mm-hmm. and everything in there. But um, maybe I got to spend a little more time thinking about my herbs, right, and trying to figure out how to, to make myself not miss the ham hock or miss, you know, different things about it. Um, and then there's always the nostalgic time where it's just that hand and I'm just like, uh, throw mm-hmm. that in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being aware of the times a little bit, you know, being aware of myself a little bit and, and the things that I now prefer, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and just trying to respect that, you know? Um, so it's a mix. So that brings us right into the mix of what you're working on now and uh, some of your work now. Um, <coughs> As we connect with that, uh, I, I do think when we think of those Southern traditions of our people, black people, um, that food and the way we connect is a way to community. Yeah. Uh, and you work heavy in the community. So what what are some of the works that you're working on? 
chocolate. Um, so there is, I'll, I'm gonna break it down. I'm gonna break it down to just different organizations and ideas, mm-hmm. right? Um, I am working with, um, consistently working with Detroit Poetry Society, which is an organization that myself and my partner, Sheezy Bobizi created um, mm-hmm. roughly seven years ago. Um, ultimately with the idea of grooming world-class creators, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I would say we did that, right? Um, I've seen myself and I've seen many artists that, that crossed our paths be able to create um, what identities they wanted with their brands from there. And right? shout out shout out to Sheezy. I need to get him in here. Uh, yeah. As much as he is a great poet, as most people know him, he's like one of my favorite beatboxers ever. Oh, yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, and even that, you know, like ha- ha- letting people be completely themselves in that space, right? Mm-hmm. If you beatboxed and you did poetry, um, if you did, you played the drums and you played the keyboard, you know, um, all of that. We we figured out how to make all those things work together mm-hmm. and figure out how to create friction for each other so we could be the best that mm-hmm. we could be, right? Um, even if that looked like challenging people, I need you to do two shows this month. I need you to do this many gigs this month you know i need you to go to this many open mics and rehearse right i need you to i need you to show up on time for practice you know mm-hmm. um whatever that looked like right um doing that you know having ourselves venture out into workshops and inviting other people to teach us to the point that we felt comfortable enough to be teachers mm-hmm. right um and now um seeing you know victoria biagovich seeing sheezy be able to host their own workshops and their own brands right uh from there Right. Um, and one of the, the projects that we've had ongoing for the past five years is a home. Um, and that is located in the North End. Uh, five years ago, we were offered uh, the opportunity to participate in a block that was highly active, uh, that was already in a position where they were collectively thinking about who they wanted to be on their block. Um, mm-hmm. And so they they asked me and our organization to come there and make home there uh, and to, to create an idea of a community house uh, that would support some of the some of the work that they were doing, um, and I mean that's an ongoing project. That's my life, you know. Mm-hmm. That's my life right now. Um, really defining what it means to be a neighbor, um, and starting from my house, you know, mm-hmm. to my block and to, and to my neighborhood, um, and then if I can reach the city, you know, with ideas that could be replicated, you know. Um, and then working that out, right? Experimenting that. Um, if that looks like uh, the need for a business, you know, um, or new economies, then making that, right? Figuring mm-hmm. out from from ground up what, what we should focus on, right? Um, for us, it was most of the people on our block are in 100-year-old houses, and not many of us know how to expedite that process to live in the homes that we want to live in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a process, but we brought um, a class into us. Um, Michigan Historic Preservation Network had a class called Living Trades, uh, and we brought them onto our block uh, into a building. We populated the class with people that uh, either lived on that block or were associated um, with construction or people that we thought would uh, would probably stick together after that, right, mm-hmm. uh, with the intention of trying to build something afterwards. Um, so we invited those people into the class. We were paid to take that class. Um, in the class, we actually fixed up one of our neighbor's homes, um, learned, you know, by actually doing and fixed up one of the neighbor's hmm. homes. 
Um, and then since then, now there's a there's an organization in business that has been working for the past two years, um, taking in contracts. We did one major contract with the Capuchins, mm. um, repaired their exterior, um, and just training ourselves, right? Investing in ourselves, figuring out what tools we need. Um, we've been, um, you know, in a good position to have good relationships with um, companies who are willing, uh, organizations, Michigan, um, or Detroit Community Wealth Fund, actually, who's mm. willing to support our startup, uh, willing to support us with um, understanding what we need to have a business, right? Yeah. An accountant, um, making sure our year end makes sense and we have our taxes paid, um, all the way down to um, continuing to have jobs next and be able to supply our members with work, you know? Mm. Um, and so that block has kind of informed what work I do um, to, to a large extent. Um, what are the needs of, of those people living next door to me? Um, and how can we be immediate resources for each other? Um, so that is right now one of the main things that I'm doing. Um, I've been saying the term professional neighbor for a while, which is this idea of, of bringing all of yourself to your block, right? Bringing all of yourself to this area um, and, and watching uh, as many of my neighbors you know, um, trust in that process and bring, being able to bring themselves into that space, whether that's I'm a neighborhood scrapper, you know, I scrap metals, you mm -hmm. know, and everybody just put their metals in front of this person's house, you know, um, or if that looks like I'm a farmer uh, personally, you know, outside of this, I'm, I'm going to, um, if y'all make space for me, I'll do what I do, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so that concept of if you make space for me, I'll do what I do here and there's space for me to do what I do here. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's one of my main projects right now. Um, you know, I live there, I've been living there for the past five years, whether it was a, a good situation, mm -hmm. a comfortable situation or not, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's been beautiful to see, um, how that, how that community, you know, has been defined for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and how many people have been willing to give themselves to that idea. Um, that's one of the main things that that I'm really involved in, um, and that stems again from Detroit Poetry Society. That stems kind of from my own personal work. Um, recently, uh, about a year ago, I became vice president of an organization, uh, Operation Care Kit Detroit. Mm. Uh, and this organization had been running for about four years and I was participating in it um, and just like kind of volunteering and supporting in whatever way what, I could. What led you to volunteer? Um, what led me to volunteer was the fact that they had a kind of a creative approach to doing something that I had seen done before, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that um, it is, it's always necessary and it's something that should always happen, but um, there is sometimes a cliche energy to the holiday giving um, when, when people come out and they, mm -hmm. they give to the homeless and the home free people. Um, it's almost like, a, um, you know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to go do this during the holiday, you know, yeah. and to put my service day in kind of thing, you know. Um, but I was watching a group of people who were making it, um, who were in-depthly thinking on, on how to make that as efficient as possible, right? Um, they were thinking out, what kind of soap are we putting inside this bag, you know? Uh, what kind of soap would I use, you know? So am I just going to take any any donation and yeah. put that on my body, it's you know? It's not me, so, um, it's, you know, yeah, they can use um, the socks that I want You know what I'm use. saying? So it, it mm -hmm. was it was a little more thought, right? They were mm -hmm. people that were contacting Lush, you know, um, a um, 
organic, you know, um, soap company and being like, hey, we giving it and we need this for our people, you know, um, and getting donations, you know, and getting and getting um, getting people's attention, right? With with kind of um, more of a narrative of having the conversation about it, you know, um, and using that that action as kind of the way to start that conversation, you know. Um, so I felt like they were going deeper. They're going a little bit deeper mm-hmm. um, than than I had seen, and I wanted to be a part of it. Cool, cool. And um, the the work and the approach uh, to assisting people experiencing homelessness. What's the what's how how is it executed uh, beyond you know some of the selection? How do you all execute it? What's the vision for it? What's the mission? Okay, uh, so we executed through care kits, right? Um, we offer the community, um, and when I say community, I mean anyone, right, mm-hmm. to come and support us in putting these things together. Um, and I think the event itself becomes um, a space for the conversation, a space to have a conversation about um, why we're here. And the care kit is, what's the care kit? Care kit is, um, it has many definitions now because we're, we're stretching out what that meaning is, but it originally started with our annual care kits, which were emergency relief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that has survival materials, mm-hmm. um, survival materials for winter specifically. So, um, you know, hand warmers, socks, gloves, hats. Um, it also has first, first aid equipment, mm-hmm. uh, so Band-Aids, um, sometimes triple antibiotic ointment, uh, things that would fill out one's own first aid kit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also has uh, food. Um, we also give um, support that with clothing and materials that people may meet during the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the first, um, I guess, iteration of care kit started with the emergency relief um, in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go out in the coldest, coldest months of the winter season. Um, again, we get volunteer energy to prepare the kits. Um, almost like an assembly line. We have people bring food items and have a potluck, and then we construct afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we get real serious, and we like, okay, everybody line up over here. You know, um, you are in charge of the Band-Aids. You know, you mm-hmm. are in charge of, of this. And, and almost like, you know, assembly line, we pass the bag down, and everyone has a has an opportunity to participate in making that bag complete, you know? Cool. Um, you know, a lot of great conversation happens over it, you know, while we're, we all stand in side by side, putting, putting things into the bag, a lot of great conversation and, and planning happens. Who Who's involved in the organization and, um, and what type of volunteer support? Is it like all supported by grant funding? Is it supported by just volunteers, uh, so again, we've, we've been a nonprofit for one year. Okay. Um, and so before Bec- then, before then, it was before then and after then, it was it was uh, personally funded. Mm. Um, most of our efforts typically come from crowdfunding. Mm. That is up for maybe a month. Um, mm-hmm. And it honestly, the way we budget it, um, and the way we are, are efficient about bringing the items in, mm-hmm. um, we don't necessarily typically need a large budget okay. to produce these care kits. Um, mm-hmm. Just because we've kind of gotten a sustainable way to do it, either by having consistent donors um, or you the know resources that you the go resources to that get. we choose. Yes. So the relationships have yes. um, have 
supported the organization organization absolutely. thus far. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, even all the way up until this year, um, we for the second for second year in a row, we've partnered with um, Empowerment Plan, mm. um, which is an incredible organization. Uh, the idea started out of CCS. There was mm-hmm. a student in CCS who wanted to create um, kind of like a multi-purpose wear um, specifically for the homeless community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they developed a coat that transfers from a coat to a book bag, and then it turns into a sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, all in a matter of just unzipping it and flipping it around a few times, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they consistently have partnered with us and given us uh, 25 sleeping bags uh, or whatever supply they have, wow. right, um, to kind of act as, as their distribution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, m- most of the people that we come in contact, if they have not already had one, you know, um, then they, they are like, I would love that sleeping bag, you know? Um, so it gives us kind of, um, it fills out our content, you know, partnering with other organizations who also uh, focus on this community, you know? And what has it been these four years, like engaging with the community? Have you built some relationships with people? Have you seen them um, transition past experience of homelessness? What what ways are you all, you know, staying connected to the the families you're supporting? Absolutely. Um, so a few things. One, typically um, people are are either um, have a phone or they don't have a phone, which is something that we've been able um, to to get around through email. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll keep up with people um, via email or through phone. Um, and typically either <clears throat> people are, are pretty open once, once they have an understanding of how genuine you are. Um, and we'll come and either people are sharing their need to um, – to get immediate housing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the processes that go into getting houses through hands or hood or a lot of spaces become very difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so breaking that process down um, for a lot of people, right? Um, or actually helping them to get to those places and locations because that becomes a, a barrier, mm-hmm. um, actually physically getting to locations. Um, also, just emergency need. There's been times we've taken people to the hospital um, mm. you know, uh, elders in uh, wheelchairs that needed to go to the hospital and, and maybe they couldn't leave the sobriety house that they were in um, and they were having a serious debate on if I'm going to lose my life um, or if I'm going to be homeless again because this sobriety house will make me start this program over, yeah. you know. Um, and so, like, really having real conversations with people about, you know, well, if, if you're not alive, you know, um, then we, you probably – it probably doesn't matter, you know, where mm. you live. So let's address this first. And then let's also support you in getting an answer for um, for that housing so you don't be in that homeless situation again, right? So understanding kind of some of the the, the correlations between the process of being homeless, um, and it a lot of it ends up being systematic things, you know. Um, it be, ends up being the fact that I, maybe I do need health care um, or maybe I do need something, and you're going to consider that a drug, because I'm in a sobriety house, you mm. know, um, or you're going to consider that uh, me forfeiting my 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 time here, right, to, to take care of this infection that I have, right? Um, yeah. So understanding really some of the problems that people put are, are put in, 
you know, and what choices they have to make, like real life choices that they have to make about about their place, you know. So it's it's fulfilling what, you know, I guess our traditional society may label as some some social work, uh, some social work, I guess, task um, just due to some of the work that Care Kid is doing. But you have a different type of a relationship with the people that you're, you've uh, you've built these partnerships and relationships with yeah. that you are supporting. Yeah. Uh, connecting to this, um, I, I would ask uh, just homelessness in the city of Detroit. What uh, you may not know the stats, and I'm not really looking for stats figures as much as what um, what what in from what you've seen. What's the the the, the state of mind? What's what's the uh, what's that pulse uh, of the people? Are, are many of the people experiencing homelessness feeling um, you know disconnected to support um, as the population here? Uh, it's it's weird and i mean i may not be traveling in the same circles but it's it's different than some other cities i've seen like you know definitely in los angeles like when i just was in la we were like i guess in the flower district is which is like a cool way of saying right next to skid row so uh if anyone has the opportunity to go to los angeles i strongly urge them to you know, be down there near at night, like the amount of tents and just homelessness and what's happening in L.A. that has created like a a a, a massive community. Yeah. Uh, and the way that um, public officials and I'm sure is is many other uh, people doing some community work, some that may be more supportive than others. But um it, it's a part of L.A. culture, like a very intensive part of L.A. Yeah, culture, yeah. whereas here in Detroit, uh, outside of NSO, you know, um, I, I definitely know like most most NSO stations, uh, especially the one over on. I want to say it's at Third Street or is that Cass, you know, but um, it's not as uh, prevalent, you know, yeah, crossroads yeah. over on uh, West Grand Boulevard. But yeah. um What's the pulse here in the city of Detroit? And then furthermore, uh, of just where homelessness is 2020 right now. Yeah. Um, So interesting. Interesting enough, I just went to an announcement from the city um, and it was uh, HUD stating that they were going to uh, drop um, a large donation to some of the organizations that were supporting homeless um, so who are some of these uh, or what some of them some of the organizations that were in the room rather because I don't know all of them was uh, <coughs> excuse me was um, alternatives for girls um, mm-hmm. which um, I got a chance to network with with their team mm-hmm. uh, while I was there uh, hands uh, I got a chance to network with their team while I was there um, there was also supposed to be a announcement from the city um, from the city mayor um, the mayor did not show up. Um, they sent um, author Jameson in, in placement, uh, who is over housing, uh, the housing right. department. Um, and, you know, essentially, and, I, and I'm saying this to say because there was a, a, a gentleman that was in, in the room, right? Um, and they were, you know, they was kind of like, I don't know if you ever been in one of them city, like, moments where, 
uh, either the city council is there or there's just an announcement being made, um, there's always a heckler. You know, there's always yeah. a heckler and there's always someone that's trying to say something and, and people mm -hmm. want them to be quiet, you know. Yeah. Um, and so this was one of those people, you know, and that that had the experience of having been homeless and they were currently homeless. Right. Mm. Um, while watching, you know, all of this money be tossed or tossed around about homelessness, yeah. you mm -hmm. know. Um, and so when they finally, you know, got a chance to speak, they raised their hand and they were like, how many people in here have been homeless? You mm -hmm. know, um, and it was myself, that person and one other woman in that room. Right. Mm -hmm. The room was filled. People was, was standing up, channel two, channel four, everybody was there, you know. Um, and their point was that this conversation was happening without them. Yeah. Right. Um, was that, you know, the people that was in that room supporting housing and, and supporting, um, you know, permanent transitionary housing and, you know, putting together some of these things were having this conversation without actually talking to them about what they need fully. Right. Mm. Um, and so... Um, you know, the numbers of homelessness have went down mm -hmm. from 2018 to 2019. Um, that is a fact. And um, then also, it, 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 I would say even kind of beyond it, because you may have, it's kind of like unemployment, I would assume, you know, like, you know, I'm big into, you know, that's my business. Yeah. You know, I've taken so many yeah. economics classes. So they'll say unemployment's at 6%. Yeah. But technically, if you were unemployed for six months, you know, six months in one day, you're you're labeled a displaced worker. Yeah. You know, unemployment just looks at you like you're not looking for employment. And go. in reality, there you, you may still be looking for employment after that. So, you know, the figures of unemployment versus the actual status of people that are not gainfully employed or people un underemployed yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I may be, you know, I may be at this, uh, you know, I may be at this uh I forget the name of that. Uh, you know, like I may be in, in a space renting a room from somebody. So, yes, technically I'm no longer homeless. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really like almost like, a, you know, um, if I don't pay this, you know, if I don't pay my forty five dollars a day. <laughs> yeah. I'm back to being homeless. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, if I don't get my way to my shift at, I don't know, whatever, you know, McDonald's or something. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm, you know what I'm saying? So like is, so as the figures are going down, are those figures so, that are you know, going the, down? Those figures are, those figures are going down, which, you know, for some of those organizations, you know, leaves them to pat themselves on the back, right? Yeah. Leaves them to be like, yeah, we doing, we're doing this. Um, but what I was hearing from that, that, that gentleman that was sitting in that room was that we are, we're looking for engagement. We're really looking for people to understand the processes that it takes to get here, right? Understand the systematic process, yeah, right? Um, not just put a Band-Aid and help some people, right? Mm -hmm. Because what are the numbers going to be for 2020? You know, what are the numbers going to be, you know, and what what stops that, Yeah, you know, that, that pipeline, essentially, you know? Um, and what else do I need um, beyond just a house once being in this kind of situation, you know? Yeah. What else do I need as a person? You know, what kind of what kind of services also go along with that? You know, it may be um, it may be mental health services. You know, it could be um, financial literacy. It could be a lot of things that it go wrong with support. It could be childcare. It, child it could be anything mm -hmm. that go along with supporting uh, that person's st stability. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
you know, it's just going a little bit deeper, right? It's going a little bit deeper and also like understanding that, you know, there is tents, there's tents in a city, you know, it's tents under freeways, yeah. it's tents um, off Michigan Avenue, it's tents, you know, it's tents in different places of the city, you know, so. Um, but is it is it welcome? Because it seems in other cities, it's like, That's the well, area it's just way it. more yeah. explicit, like yeah. it happens. Yeah. Whereas here, it feels like it's more of a like underground thing. So would you say that Detroit is like, uh, do some people experiencing homelessness, and I, I may just be, you know, guessing this maybe with my, you know, uh, pessimistic mind about policing here. Yeah, but yeah. Like, is it is it as welcome? Is it is it frowned upon more? Um, do basically do people experiencing homelessness in Detroit feel safe to kind of travel yeah. and and where they go? Uh, this is another one of my stories <laughs> that I tell, but back. Um, Back when this was when George W. was in office, gas started getting so high. I was like, I'm taking the bus again. But so when I started taking the bus again, I started noticing that um, that even like over certain steam tunnels, some of the people would, you know, some of the people experiencing homelessness would put would put covers and sheets. Yeah. And some of them I would bump into like, hey, man, why don't you want to go to a shelter? He's like, oh, man, the shelter not safe. I'm like, for real? Like, yeah. You know, it's like it seems like what cops tell me is that's where you want to be or something yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, a couple of times, you know, you just when I was taking the bus and, and it's funny, like, I guess, engaging in the streets uh, of being in the streets and from taking the bus, it's like I'm more aware of yeah. certain things yeah. just that are happening on the street yeah, than yeah, yeah. I ever was when, you know, when I, you know, hop in the car, drive past, but just standing at the bus stop. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I became and, more and that, aware of a lot of stuff. For sure. For sure. And that is, um, I mean, that's something that we hear all the time also. Right. And it, and it, for me, it has to be just not these organizations, again, not having conversation with, um, the, the communities they're servicing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, NSO, you know, that's, NSO costs a lot of people don't actually want to go to these places. NSO is huge. I mean, they have that. If people know, it's right like on the sort of it's still in Detroit. Well, let's see. Is that on the it's sort of like on the Highland Park border. But the Bell Building right in my neighborhood off Oakman Boulevard. Huge building. When they acquired the building, the concept was this will be a place where where families can transition from homelessness to housing yeah and that building is huge uh most of the people in my neighborhood remember it because the bell it was a yellow pages clock yeah that stood there for years so as a kid being over here like you know it was hard to you know mom be like be in at eight o'clock and then it'd be like oh you know you know what i'm saying you, you look up like shit you can't miss it. Like seven forty-five, and I'm two yeah. blocks away playing basketball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but um, that building right now is looking to be transitioned, and and the capacity I know is not full capacity, as that's such a huge building. Yeah. And I don't even know what the uh, you know what the protocols and and and, and filling out the space and what the plans are, but yeah, it's more space. Let's yeah. just put it like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. And and it. It again, it becomes to like what what kind of solutions are people do mm -hmm. these organizations have, and how much are they listening to those people, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we hear all the time, you know, um, people's things are being stolen, people yeah. are that's um, what that's being, what a couple of people I keep you know, kept running into sexually harmed, they yeah. got bed bugs, they got you know. Yeah. 
you know, and it, and it's these are things that are just that really just take checking in like a, some kind of a quality control. Right. Mm-hmm. And understanding what people actually need. Right. Because if I'm going to help, I'm going to help you and then leave you with bed bugs now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, I would rather people would rather stay on the streets. You yeah. know, people would rather stay on the streets. Um, and, and we run into a lot of people who've made, you know, who made that determination. I would say you were talking about policing, you know, um, there's still, which is a part of our work, they're still working demystifying those routes to getting to that place, right? Because there's a misconception that you either did something, you, you've had to have ruined your life to get yourself here. Well, it's usually, you know? I, would, um, I would go as far as saying that, just speaking for uh, media, general public, you're on drugs. Yeah, yeah. You're a criminal. Yeah. You uh, suffer from mental illness. Probably more than likely you're a, you're a veteran that has some form of PTSD. Those are yeah. like kind yeah. of the over encompassing or you're a uh, or you're a woman that's leaving uh, like a, a, a marriage, mm-hmm. a, an abusive marriage or something like that. And you have children or, or you left your children or left your family. Like those are usually the narratives. Yeah. 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 So. For us, it's it's about those pathways, right? And those mm-hmm. those those ideas also go with a certain kind of energy, right? True. So you see, you see, you know, the city of Detroit taking, um, you know, dumpsters and throwing people's things away when it is uh, football season, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we got to clear at Woodward, you yeah. know, um, or you see that off Jefferson, or you see these different things, um, you know, Saint Antoine's Church is typically opening themselves and they're. You know, their stairway and people sleep there and they don't, you know, they kind of uh, unspokenly protect people, you know, mm. that 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 yeah. come to their property. Right. Yeah. Um, but also won't say anything. Right. Yeah. Possibly when the city of Detroit comes and literally throws everything anybody has into the back of a garbage truck, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so as there's also like a gap in the understanding of um of one, how people get into these positions, right, and how how fully connected those are with the system that we live in, mm-hmm. right, um, as well as understanding how how to really support, you know, support that and where they are. Yeah, um, and, and I think that some of those some of those judgments of what people think it, it it could be some validity to that but it's more context to those stories absolutely that veteran experiencing ptsd and i don't know how you know one of my homegirls i was real close to in high school um i don't know how many people have ever visited the psych ward at you know veteran memorial the john dingle hospital but um just even up and around that john r like the 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 veteran population yeah. and homelessness and how, just due to the resources that a a veteran experiencing homelessness is um, is given, just for for mental yeah. uh, mental health, is you know it it's tragic sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it's stories that we could never even think about. You know, I've I've for instance, I mean, one of them shook me in a moment where we were on the streets and and talking to a few people. Um, we had jumped out of our car. Sometimes we just pop out in the middle of the street and just run up, you know, run up to people like, hey, do you need anything? Or roll mm-hmm. our window down like you need something. And if they need it, we'll follow up and just pull over to the side, you know. Um, and so, you know, there's a, a older lady that was out there um, and a, a couple younger guys. And we were talking to all of them. Um, 
and one of the, the stories uh, from one of the older ladies was that, you know, they were um, getting Social Security. They pointed to the building that they lived in, you know, beautiful building in the middle of downtown. They lived there, you know, um, and was started to open up about how much money they actually was getting, you know, and the ability to only really pay for the place, you know, and not pay for the utility, not pay for the lights and the water, you know, and everything else that it took to live inside this place, right, with their with their fixed income, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just being like, you know, this is, I do this. They had a whole schedule, you know, just to to pay for the utilities that were in that home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this woman was was well over 70 years old, you know, um, out there on, a, on the coldest night of the city, you know. Um, and it, you know, you, you run into people that are like, I'm a master plumber, you know, um, and can show you, you know, proof of, of work that they've done, you know. Um, but I'm also a felon, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, so many barriers and blockages that, like you said, it, it, it's, it is, it's not just cut and dry, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just um, you're on drugs or it's not just you went to jail, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's not just um, you, you, you um, are a veteran um, and, you know, case closed, we already know. Um, you know, so taking that time, and I think that's the challenge from some of those larger organizations to take the time to break down um, and really engage and have dialogue, right, and really break down some of those systems and, and pathways to getting to these spaces, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is um, one of the greatest things I like about Operation Care Kit is because the people within it, um, and it's it's five of us. Uh, we had to create a board because we were a nonprofit, so. Um, you know, it's five of us organizing it. Um, like I said, it's grassroots. Um, the funding is coming from ourselves and coming from crowdfunding sources and the, the community that supports us, you know. Um, but we have that perspective, right? We have that perspective and we have the realness to be able to be in those places with these people. Um, them to see us, you know, um, see us as trustworthy people and be able to share some of those stories and share some of those pathways so we can, you know, think tank about it and really uh, begin to demystify that to a large group of people, you know, um, those misconceptions about um, th- th- those those stereotypical misconceptions about how people get there, you know. And and you, as you were experiencing homelessness, yeah. what, um, what, what were some of the things you were looking for? Because naturally, just with people would say... You know, where's your family at in this situation? What's uh, what was it like uh, as you were experiencing? So, and it, it's interesting too because uh, I think that this was a part of my trusting in what I was supposed to do um, mm. with with life because I do have family, um, and I think at uh, uh, I can't always be so sure uh, because a lot of my a lot of my decisions to do some of the things that I'm doing were not necessarily things that it, my family envisioned for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they envisioned for me to, to continue college, right? Uh, envisioned for me to do, um, you know, law, teacher or philosophy, professor, you know, some of the things that I had planned for myself at the time, you know? Um, but in a space where I kind of let go of those things, I had worked for a hospital for five years, mm-hmm. um, was, was getting paid, a good amount of money, you know, vacation, sick time, you know, um, was like 19, 20 years old and been working for this place for five years. You know, I was on mm-hmm. the path. I was on the path that I thought that I wanted to be on, of, of, you know, of what people um, see as American success. You know, yeah. Um, and, and 
you know, it was a challenge for myself to make that decision, but I made it. I was really afraid for several years. I wanted to quit, you know, mm. um, but I didn't see myself out making it outside of that having that, brock, yeah, that box and that framework you know, um and that security you know yeah, that i thought i needed to survive and, you know? and furthermore well really um i talk about this often because in media like more so in ph philosophical conversations as i talk about you know the idea of the american dream yeah and the way that 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 propaganda you know has presented that it is really like a, a, a it has shackle many people yeah uh especially people black people to the idea of whatever pursuit is yeah. so it defines you know the car you drive the neighborhood you want to live in the schools your kids want to go to uh the the clothes you wear the yeah. almost everything under this whole premise of an american dream that never was designed to even be given to black people but it's almost you end up sort of in a position where other people will honor it and society itself will, yeah. will echo some of that so you're at the hospital you know the your, the the auntie you rarely talk to is like oh you got that good job yeah, I heard yeah, about that yeah you know the yeah. uncle's like yeah that's good you've been there about four years you're gonna get you you's on your way to retirement yeah. like you're hearing like you almost hear from family members and friends talking points of the American dream yeah, yeah. because they've been you know because we're all plugged into to this system you know more so than who you are you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah. and you, they they start defining as i mean we've lived in this in this place like around you know the the motor you know the the car industry for years so like those talking points became pervasive perspectives in everything yeah yeah you know yeah i mean and, and for me you know um just graduating high school was like you know my mother didn't graduate high school my uncle i was one of the first people in my in my immediate family, family to you know to, to graduate mm -hmm. high school you yeah. know so it was like you That's got good. it baby you yeah. you know you got this you know um yeah. and it you know that pressure you know um aside from my own fears right that mm -hmm. that was taught through this um yeah. helped kept, kept me in that space for a long time you know um and it it was in the midst of developing and stepping out and being a storyteller and you know meeting some people within community uh oliyama dabos uh, meeting some people that I, I were a complete inspiration for how long they have been spending their lives doing what uh, they're passionate what about. they're passionate about and even acknowledging that it ain't always easy right uh, mm -hmm. but eventually that energy might is, may start pulling people from all over the place and you don't even mm -hmm. you didn't even imagine it being that powerful right and it exceeds that right um, and just understanding this idea manifest and just picking up some things that's in the city you know, I started picking up those things. Um, I started to go gardening. That was one of my first things that I did at that time because I wanted uh, to feed myself if mm -hmm. I was going to be poor. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I thought, you know, um, that at the very least, I'll know how to feed myself. Right. Yeah. Um, so I went into that space and, and it was several years of literally giving myself to people and being like, teach me what you know. You know, I'm just here. I'm going to show up every single day at this time. Like, that's. Mm -hmm. That's just what I'm going to do. Even if they didn't believe me, I was just like, okay, I'm going to be here tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know, um, and just learning and just learning things that I felt would prep me to be able to let go of that other stuff, yeah. you know. Um, and eventually I did, you know, eventually I did. And, you know, leading back into the 
the the spaces that that left me in. You know, um, it was something I kept saying. It was like me and some some of the people we was rolling with. We were like, we don't need money. We need people. You know, um, mm-hmm. and we kept saying that we don't need money. We need people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I let I left a lot of those. I let let that go. I walked away from that job. Um, I was like, I'm only gonna work for play, people in places that are doing either I'm gonna make the business myself or I'm only gonna work for people that I, I believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my first uh, job was actually internship at D-Town, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was, you know, I was still kind of uh, naive to how many, how much people cared about me, you know, cause I was saying I need people, but I ain't need money, right? But I ain't know what it took to build those people, right? And I was still working on that, so, and you know. D-Town Farms, shout out to, um, yeah, one of uh, my favorite big homies, OG. Malik Yakini. Oh yeah, and uh, so many of the people he's connected with. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. 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 Shamika and you know, uh, man, so many folks. Yeah. Yeah. Love to uh, Kaderi also. Yeah. Rest. In, yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. to Kaderi. Rest in power. Rest, rest in power. power. Yeah. Um, but being in that space, right? Um, Having that be one of my first jobs, uh, but even being in that space and and seeing how I wasn't willing to re- be too vulnerable, right? I didn't show up to people and be like, okay, um, I just quit my major job, you know. I know our job don't start into this time, and my check ain't gonna come into this time, you know. I wasn't I wasn't being vulnerable, you know. Um, I was kind of holding on to my stuff and my problems while trying to participate in community, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know um, that resulted in me being evicted you know um myself and most of the people in detroit poetry society was renting a house so we was all creating mm-hmm. and building had studios and doing our thing in there um and i was able to pay for that because i was the only one who had a job right mm-hmm. um and then when i decided that i was gonna let it go mm-hmm. you know um you know i got picked up another job but it just didn't come through in time you know yeah um they gave me 10 days to get all my stuff you know um we went to court and i had 10 days right um and so i say i say to myself now but it's only until now that i that this was all a process of of me being able to trust where i'm at right and trust that i was supposed to be doing what i'm supposed to be doing right Mm -hmm. um but i went from there and i'm working at d-town and and Interesting enough, we we doing performances for uh, eviction defense, and we like we we doing all these things, but we evicted, you know, like we don't have a house, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, it was nothing in me at that time to be like, I need to tell somebody, you know, I need to yeah. tell people that I'm in this situation, you know, while I'm I'm performing literally all over the city. I did, and also I'm you know? sure that put. I'm sure that changed the dynamics of the relationship of the people within the poetry society. Yeah, absolutely. Because in a lot of ways, if you did um, cover the responsibility of the rent or, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, water, <laughs> lights, uh, Internet, you know. Yeah. And then it, it and then the dynamic, then you you do something different that impacts their life. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. that's gonna put it's gonna change the dynamics. It's Absolutely. gonna put some strain Absolutely. on those relationships. Absolutely, because it's Absolutely. like, damn, you know what I'm saying? You, Absolutely, you, you're chilling in here <laughs> one day. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, you writing some poetry, and it's like, oh man, you know, this is cool. Burning some incense, and then the next thing, and it's like, what? Yeah, man. And yeah. It's like, hey, 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 Gabriel, what what happened? I mean, to be honest, uh, at that time, a lot of a lot of them were some of those voices in my ear like man like let's see what you could do you know what i'm saying let's see what you could do after this you Mm -hmm. know 
um, let's see what happens. You know, as much as mm-hmm. it, you know, is going to impact all of us. We all know it's going to impact all of us. Mm-hmm. But, like, what happens next, you know? Yeah. Um, and at the time, I didn't have no next, you know? But yeah. I was I was just like, okay, what do I know now? You know, I know gardening. Okay, I'm going to jump into that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, what do I know? I'm still a performer, so I perform. I'm going to perform even more, you know? Yeah. I'm still doing, you know? So I was just building out. The, the tiny pieces that I had developed that were mine, that I could mm-hmm. say was mine, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it also helped, you know, so I went into farming, you know, I went and I was growing vegetables so much so that I was able to sell them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, uh, Dobbles was one of the people that I that I had just pulled up on and was like, I'm going to help you, whatever you Another say. Another great OG. You know what I'm saying? Another and great so OG. They was like, you know, stand in front of this building and see how many people buy your stuff, you know, like, let's just see what happens, you know. Um, so I'm the, I'm, I'm sure Davos did not say it in that, you know, Davos you know. so slow. He was probably like, if you <laughs> want to sell <laughs> your vegetables, uh, you can. <laughs> honestly, he was probably just like, do it here. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, like, yeah, that seems more do like it here. <laughs> do it right here. You know? Um, and I did, you know, uh, and just, I don't know. It it takes something. It's something when you can see uh, a creation that comes outside of yourself mm-hmm. um, have its own life, right, mm-hmm. and do something, right. So that was like kind of the first bite for me, right. Seeing that, uh, being able to grow it to like kind of a small market, you know. Mm. I invited some people. People were selling bean pies. People was selling clothes they made. People were, and so it was the whole street. Right off, creating you know, community. Uh, right was there, there you across know, from Northwestern. Uh, you know, like right in the pit. I was at one point. I was Dexter, in the middle Grand of the, sh- the street with bananas, like you know, like <laughs> you know, you know. Um, Ife met Ife through that. Ife uh-huh. introduced me to um, a brother who owned Goodwills, mm-hmm. and Goodwills was able to give me a, a whole buy things for me wholesale from Easter Market, uh-huh. and then I would f- pay for them low price yeah. and flip them myself. Right, that's cool. So. You know, just little connects, you know what I'm saying? Relationships. And so I was finding the people, right? Yeah. I was finding the people that I, that I needed, right? Um, but in this still, in this you're still, finding it, yeah. you're still facing your own insecurities of of speaking up of uh, uh, about what you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that process of being vulnerable with myself and mm-hmm. being vulnerable with that community, you yeah. know, cause how important that is the make or break, honestly, you know, um, if, if you need these people actually telling these people that you need them, yeah. you know, um, actually showing up with what you got, you know, and having, having the ability to lay that on the table, you know, yeah. and then everybody can look at what's on the table, you know, and that takes the um, risk of possibly them responding in a way you don't want them to respond. Absolutely. Or them passing judgment in a way you don't want them to pass. Absolutely. Judgment. Absolutely. Or you possibly passing judgment on yourself by just even saying. It. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, working through that, working through that. Dobbles was, again, one of the people that I was able to bounce my my head, my ideas off of and just mm-hmm. be vulnerable with um, in that process there was one person that was buying vegetables from me and and in this entire story it's kind of like if I wasn't still moving you know if Mm -hmm. I still wasn't doing what I thought was the thing to do then I wouldn't have been in the perfect position for for that person you know and for that that chance and that opportunity to come you know um so I was selling vegetables selling vegetables and I ran into um an elder uh Idris um Nia who um I think it's a DJ in the yeah, city. Baba yeah, Baba Adris. Yeah, Baba Adris. DJ Riot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Family. Yeah. Uh, 
right there off web really known their family for a long uh, time yeah. his, uh, at one point in time his wife mommy Monty at Aisha Shula it was my favorite you know before Ice Cube my favorite storyteller because I was yeah. a kid and she'd be so animated telling those stories of a Nancy the Spider and stuff yeah mm-hmm. beautiful beautiful I ran into them right mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm beginning to develop a community you know um, you know uh People that are buying my f- my fruit, my salads, mm-hmm. and my things, you know, are now talking to me a little deeper, right? Um, and so that that elder came and talked to me, um, and through conversation, you know, opened up that I didn't have a space to live, right? Yeah. Um, and that they also needed some work, you know. I'm a farmer, mm-hmm. you know. They needed some garden work, you know. Um, we was able to barter a situation where, cool. you know, I was able to live into their house for almost a year, help them take care of some of their plants and, th- and their things. And it, it worked. Great, you know? great crib. Great, great crib, crib you know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Creative crib, you know, it's Extremely. music upstairs, Extremely. you know, um, space for me to, to hold meetings. I have my friends over and write and, and, and it was open. You know, they was mm-hmm. they was very open to me. They welcomed me. Um, and that showed me a lot. You know what I'm saying? I showed because I would have never thought someone would have did that. Yeah. Um, at that time in my life and where I came from, I would it was it wasn't worth it to, to share my story to people it wasn't yeah. worth it to be that vulnerable to people because mm-hmm. i didn't expect anything from it you know so almost you kind of your 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 story was providing a place and space for a person to work through what they're dealing with to open up more was the gateway for you to find more opportunity yeah so even in care kit by by doing um the health checks and the check-ins that builds more of that relationship. Now, will a person have the path and a breakthrough like you? Yeah. Possibly, possibly yeah. not. But you're opening, you're, you're leaving the door open for yeah. a person to walk yeah. through it. Yeah, yeah. And it sometimes takes seeds and things that people, people draw, throwing that seed, you know, and growing that within you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's something you've never seen before. You know, that, that completely changes your perspective on what's possible, you know. Um, so for me, you know, that was a path. I went from that space to, um, you know, um, I was helping uh, Baba Kamara, who was an, another elder that was in my life at the time, mm-hmm. um, move out of their place, mm. right? They were they were moving out of Rhyme and Reason, Conscious Corner, on Kershaw yeah. for McClellan. Yeah. Um, and we was moving stuff out of their space, yeah. you know, literally moving stuff out of their space. And they was like, it's a, I feel like it ain't something right in there. What's wrong with y'all, you know? Uh, uh-huh. Me and most of the people on our team on Detroit Poetry Society was helping to move, but we were sad. You know what I'm saying? We were sad, yeah. moving stuff, and they was like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, something going on." You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me, tell me what's was really good. You know, um, the other half of y'all ain't got no place to stay. Okay, all right. Well, before we before the day was over, they had called someone um, who who was working on a house that they was gonna rent out eventually, um, but. Had, it was still getting there. You know, had yeah, had coordinated a place for everybody else in the house that w- yeah. was in that house to live, right? And that happened all within a week. Wow. Right? Um, I have a place to stay in our job, you know, and everybody else got a place to stay, right? Um, wow. And so just watching that, watching that, you know. And so for a year I'm in this, I'm in Adresa's basement, you know. Um, in this person's basement, I'm, I'm teaching at um, – Amelia Earhart, you know, I, I, I know gardening, so I walked up to them and I was like, y'all need a garden teacher, you know, and mm-hmm. they like, we ain't even, that ain't even a program, and I'm just like, that, y'all need a garden teacher, you know, like, mm-hmm. let, hire me to do this, you know, and I, I was just so, so on, on like, this mm-hmm. is the stuff I'm supposed to be doing that they was yeah. like, all right, 
cool. Speaking it know? into existence. Um, and so I'm, I'm teaching there and, and really trying to just break out everything I know. Like everything I know how to do, I'm, I'm going to be fully that, you know. Um, and in Idris's basement, someone called me. Um, it's actually my neighbor, my current neighbor right now, um, and said that um, the house was originally offered to Broadside Press. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working on an amphitheater. Uh, mm-hmm. on the west side and they're not interested in this house in the north end you know yeah. um however they dropped your name because you've been doing such and such and wow. such in the city you know wow. um and i don't know if it's useful for you i don't even know if you want a house but here's you know, an opportunity here's an opportunity you know um and you know continuing to move my wheels throughout that entire process you know helped that person Build connect towards, to this yes you know um and really just opened up for me, like, you know, confirmation, like, this is what I'm, I got to keep on this path. I got to keep doing this. And, and also affirm that, that, that need for people. Now, know? now you spoke to something that, that I found even in my work and a lot of us as creatives find, cause you're definitely a very creative person. Um, cause it's the balance between my marketing firm, creative differences and Detroit is different. Yeah. And sometimes just balancing that is, you know, I'm still learning that process, but I can get so creative differences focused and then I run the lap with that. And then I look up and no more business opportunities. Like I, like I tell people yeah. the fourth quarter and the first quarter. Um, so basically like uh, November, well, October through December and January through March are the slowest times for for me to gather business. Yeah. But what I find is when I put and produce more energy in Detroit is different, more opportunities present themselves. Kind of uh, the the concept of staying focused on your purpose. Yeah. And it sounds real Deepak Chopra like creates more opportunities because I believe the natural thing in even beyond the altruistic thought process of it or the philosophy thought processes, people start seeing you in the space of doing what you do. And now they can conceptualize how your creativity, your vision, your skill, your talent fits into what they do. Yeah. You know, more so sometimes than even you trying to explicitly sell yourself, like I can do this for you. Yeah. But then they see it because now it's more incepted in their mind by them seeing, Oh, she did just say, you know, um, you know, I, I saw her garden every day. Yeah. Like I never I never stopped driving past her to see it. But now I got a gardening project. So obviously, Gabrielle, yeah. the yeah, minute yeah. that I get the opportunity for a gardening project, I'm calling. Yeah. Now, I'm saying that to say sometimes staying with it can be so difficult in that in that in that urge to just shut down. Yeah. And many people shut down. I think sometimes it's labeled as depression. Sometimes it may just be labeled as lack of confidence. It, you know, it has a lot of forms and it could be all of the above. Yeah. Some people just tired. <laughs> yeah. Some people just yeah. tired. Yeah. But shutting down. Yeah. How did you fight through possibly shutting down? Because I know it was times where it's like that's present in your mind. Like, what am I doing here? Why, why don't I just shut down? And we have so many um, devices nowadays. Just social media itself can be just a way where you can just shut down and sort of vicariously live a life through, I don't know, yeah, Kim Kardashian, Cardi B, uh, Meek Mill, or who, you know, whoever. So, yeah. you know, how did you fight through that? I think um, 
Uh, one thing I mentioned is um, it's, it's something something very powerful, um, and, it, and we can call it like manifestation or, mm-hmm. or you know whatever we want to call it. But there's something powerful when you when you get a chance to see creations that come off of yourself, like live a life, right? Um, it's it's even more beautiful if that can majorly affect someone else, right? If I create something, uh, whether that's a piece of art you know, um, or uh, a concept or a business or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and see, or a workshop, right? Um, which was, it was originally for me, right? Um, and see that, um, one, it is what I thought it would be, right? It, like, it, I thought it here, and then it, it came outside of me, and I created it, and it stands alone, right? Um, and then see, uh, almost almost a confirmation of, of the purpose of making it, right? When you see other people walk away from it with something, right? And they walk away from it with, um, like, wow, you know? Um, even if that can, wow, turned into a conversation with themselves later, you know? Um, or if that wow turned into, like, okay, well, what creations can I make, you know? Um, there, was a, there was a point, and maybe it was the, the first few things that I – just jumped out into you know where um when i really seen them for what they were um and i really seen them affecting different things like uh being able to 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 go to dabbles and say this piece of land that you have you know um in front of this in kissy building you know um it used to be a garden there i'm gonna put a garden there you know and it doesn't matter if you believe me it doesn't matter if you believe that it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. you know um but that feeling when I walk away and there's vegetables growing, you know, um, that feeling when I, I decided, you know, maybe it'd be nice if I wasn't the only person selling and making money here on this Friday, you know, and I invited some other people here, you know, um, and then maybe the third or fourth time I come up to them and I'm like, are you making money here? You know, are you, is this worth it for you? You know, um, and just, and hearing that, um, also understanding where I came from and, and um, how much I didn't really believe in my ability to do, you know, my ability to to say I was going to do something and then actually do it, you know. Um, I want to say that it is almost like an, uh, its own addiction, you know. It's its own, um, it's its own like motivator, you know. Yeah. Um, just seeing that um so for me at this point it 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 absolutely matters what I do right um Mm -hmm. because there's a certain path that I'm trying uh, a blueprint that I'm working out in my in my own mind but there's also um a particular uh I'll give you instance I worked with uh an internet uh initiative um I was a part of an internet initiative in the north end that uh created an internet service and then um, pass that internet out to people in the neighborhood uh, for a period of time for free and then for the rest of the time for low cost, uh, but we made customers, right? Um, and from beginning to end, built this company, right? Um, went all the way to the top of the, the roof and put the, the equipment up all the way down to making the forms, uh, permission, uh, rental agreements, right, for, for the equipment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, put a lot of sweat equities, put a lot of my energy into it, right? Um, And then there became a point where that didn't work out for me, right? Um, Based on 
my morale based on um, the operation that I'm trying to keep, right? Um, So, um, you know, for me, there was a point where I was like, well, was that all of that a waste of time? You know, was that... Was that uh, pointless? You know, does it matter yeah. now? You know, where you, where you looking um, at? Shut, you, you're shutting down mentally because that's yeah, usually step that's one. Shutting down, shutting down. You yeah. know, um, but for me also, like understanding um, a few things is that that is not the first thing that I've made, right? Um, that's not the first thing that I've made, and it doesn't change my ability to do, right? Hmm. What I can do is take out of it, evaluate what happened, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so I've been building kind of that mindset. So I looked at that, for instance, and I said, um, take out the politics, you know, take out even my emotion from it. Um, Take out uh, the characters, the individuals, right, Mm -hmm. Um, and strip it down to just bones, right. What happened? What happened? Uh, what happened is they invited a group of people that they picked specifically into a class. Then they paid those people on a particular topic, right? And then afterwards, they let those people, those people's creative energy, build the idea for them, right? Um, what happens if I do another class, right, um, with those people that I pick with the intention of building a business afterwards, but for those people, right? And and stay true to that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's kind of like, you know, which is what I did, which is what I did, you know, with the construction company that we have now, yeah. you know? Um, so it, there is a point where you could, where I could personally be like, this is, I want to shut down, yeah. you know? Um, but taking kind of the perspective of, of one, acknowledging the work that I've put in, right? And also acknowledging that magic that I've received because I got to see a particular kind of magic. You know, I got to see myself um, be caught literally in the nick of time, yeah. you know, um, and be redirected to opportunities, you know, yeah. and be, be put in these places that um, I feel like it would, it would kind of be, uh, I would be missing something if I gave up yeah. at any point, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so kind of just developing that perspective of how to keep moving forward, you know, um, how to take out the things that that aren't working, you know, uh-huh. or or and and use the things that are working, you know. Um, so you know, for me, it's like I can make mistakes, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to. It's gonna happen. I'm trying to figure all of this stuff out. But it, some cases, I'm figuring it out for the first time, you know for anybody yeah you know um and so understanding that and being patient with myself you know being patient with myself and being like okay that that whole year didn't work you mm-hmm. did this whole project that did not for you it did not work yes you know um but what now and and as you speak about that a couple things come to mind um especially like um in the in the shadows of the it, it almost sounds a lot like some of the philosophy of some of these interviews I'm seeing are Kobe Bryant, but it also sounds so much like the story of Barry Gordy. You know, his dream was always to write a hit gold record. And when he wrote To Be Loved, uh, sung by Highland Park's greatest uh, Jackie Wilson, uh, yeah. and he saw the little bit of money he got, that was the inception of like, it has to be a better way of doing this. 
that led to him really looking at, all right, how do I create Motown records? You know, and, and and we all, you know, I think definitely me, but we all as creatives that look to building our own design versus because it's even other forms of creativity, yeah, that, yeah. you know, like even with what you and Sheezy did. I remember when I first started because just my relationship with him and I was like, this is cool. It, it's a list of all the open mics every day of the week. And I'm like, damn, I didn't even know all this poetry was happening. Yeah. But that alone created another community. But, you know, uh, in Detroit, the, the, the richness of the spoken word community is, is very rich. Yeah. You could have looked to be a part of another structure of that or work, work with, I mean, some of the friends, colleagues and people you look up to yeah. and work right under them. You know, because some people cut, you know, to me, their path is like, all right, as much as I could try to do my own thing. I, it may just be easier to try to hitch my wagon to what Jessica Care Moore is doing yeah. or, you know, um, what Fluent is doing or, you know, and, and, and both of them are just as creative. Yeah. But it's it's different when you're starting from the foundation with your own thing and learning as you go and, and fighting through that shutting down for whoever's listened to that. We all face it. I mean, for me, I personally look at it like I have different forms of productivity. So I look to you know, engage other projects where I'm more passionate about at different times and match that flow as best as I can, but still, you know, covering the bases, but being willing to say, okay, this was not the success I expected. Like I didn't win the championship this year, but that doesn't mean that I didn't learn some skill sets about, about how I can apply and engage the team because that's where the shame comes, where, where the insecurity comes because you go back and you say, Hey, everybody, uh, Detroit is different. We'll have video capacity for every podcast next year. And it's like, I'm looking forward to that because people don't really listen to podcasts. Yeah. They, they watch video, right? So then when it doesn't come about, like what were the factors as I was looking at video that it included that were the barriers and still keeping people engaged? Yeah. Because I'm going to get the comment like, yeah, you said that shit last year and we ain't got video yet. And it's like, okay, that could be your energy. But I can even take that comment and use that to still engage everybody else. In yeah, the room. These yeah. are all the the the, the real life um, on a small scale to a large scale. Yeah. And in some ways, I still feel like I'm that kid playing, you know, I'm the kid outside trying to decide whether we're going to play hide and go seek or freeze tag. Because it's those same skill sets of leadership that I learned from when I was then. Yeah. You know, when everybody's like, Psh, we ain't playing freeze tag, <laughs> you know, and, then, and it's like, man, it's like we don't want to play hide and go seek because like five of y'all pick the same spots every time. So it's like I think freeze tag will be a more fun game. Now, I mean, this is yeah. what I'm saying is like still I'm still processing how to deliver that message where we can maximize our fun as kids. But now it's in podcasting or now it's in business yeah, yeah, or now yeah. it's in whatever other works that I'm doing where everybody feels they have a voice, they are appreciated and they're going to have a space and we're going to enjoy some fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you doing that work, that's powerful. That's powerful. And I got to say, man, you guys cover a lot of ground, cover a lot of ground. So with that, as we come to an end, Classic Detroit is different questions. 
but before that, if people want to get in contact with you, and I'm going to have it at the bottom and okay. the lower thirds okay, and stuff, okay. but how do people get in contact with All you? All right. Um, get in contact with me through uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Gab underscore Be Smooth. Uh, Operation Care Kit Detroit is also on there. Care okay. Kit Detroit. If they um, want to give to Care Kit, what should they do? If you want to give to Care Kit, uh, we have a cash app and a Venmo. Okay. Um, and that's Care Kit Detroit. Uh, also, we have a fundraising page on IOB um, forward slash Operation Counted All Joy, which is our upcoming project, mm-hmm. Counted All Joy. Um, I can tell you a little bit more about that if you want. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Share. Share, share it. Share it. All right. Um, so uh, annually, as I said, we give out care kits, mm-hmm. um, and those care kits are filled with uh, the emergency needs, immediate needs of the winter season. Um, we are... Um, in the nature of that engaging piece, in the nature of uh, continuing that conversation, um, also in the nature of the wholeness of a, of a person, right? Um, we don't just need the immediate things. We have a, there's a lot of things that support that um, and that support us, right? Um, and so making sure we provide those, those annual things, but also broadening what care kit means. Uh, so this year we're doing a creative expression kit. Um, and so that creative expression kit will have uh, four different kinds. We'll have a sketchbook mm. um, for like sketching and writing. We'll have uh, Polaroids and photography equipment for a, po- a photography bag. Uh, we'll have um, some acrylic and some different kinds of paint uh, with some canvases for painting. Um, and the idea is uh, to go alongside our emergency uh, response mm-hmm. um, as a way to extend um, to people, um, that creativity, um, some things that may already be inside of them that raises you know, their quality, raises of life. their quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a full project. The idea is to um, support that with um, some organizations that um, slash people who will act as teachers, mm-hmm. um, keeping in in contact with people and inviting them out to a public workshop uh, with some of those basic materials that we'll have. Um, to do um, some skills and, and, and kind of have a space to engage. Cool. Um, and then following that up with the ability if people would like to, because um, people might want to keep these things as their own personal materials or their private notebooks or however they want to use them. Um, but if they would like to um, be uh, entered into uh, a gallery showing where we can have a further discussion about demystifying um, and also about that that art community. Um, mm-hmm. the, the I think the art community has a particular space in the city right now as far as um, um, how well-funded it is in some spaces and, and also mm-hmm. um, how that on the other side is, is being extremely policed. Um, mm-hmm. And this idea of, um, you know, who is the artist in the city yeah. um, and the accessibility of, of, of that. So, um, you know... The idea is to have a stipend for people when they return their pieces um, to be able to um, immediately support and exchange with them um, for their work and for their time. Um, and and then uh, eventually invite them out to the gallery showing um, and invite some of our community in to, to have discussion over uh, those pieces. Uh, so this is like a year-long project. Um, it's going to start uh, March 1st where we'll be gathering a lot of those materials. Currently, we're fundraising uh, to put those materials together, um, but preparing those bags um, later this year, uh, distributing them, uh, holding 
a public workshop and then eventually having uh, a public gallery showing. Cool. I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, all sounds cool. And um, classic questions. It's been a real fun interview. Yeah. Um, so classic question number one. What was your very first car? What year make and model? And what year did you get it? Very first car. Um, it was a Sable. Mm-hmm. A Sable um, mm-hmm. station wagon okay. with like the like the four row seats in the back. Okay. Um, it uh, I got it senior year of high school, so two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it. It was my grandparents' second car, you okay. know, that type of thing. And they was just mm-hmm. like, uh, um, you know, I think they, I think I paid them a thousand dollars for it, low key. Okay. Yeah. Um, they ain't just give it to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you working? You working? <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, uh, that was my first ride. What? Uh, where was the first place you remember going with it? School. <laughs> <laughs> School. It's like yeah, bumping loud, Lauren Hill as loud as possible. Uh-huh. Um, I went to. Um, I went actually. Most of my uh, education was in uh, Redford. Uh-huh. Um, and I went to uh, I went to elementary school in Detroit, and uh-huh. I, I got into an altercation that sent me outside uh, of Detroit for the rest of my uh, the my rest school. of your schooling. Yeah, was scrapping. Um, yeah, was like, uh-uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody so. wanted to hurt me real bad, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, and we just we had had a history of yeah. that ha- happened within yeah. our timeline, so they was really scared about it. Like, okay, yeah. people could actually shoot up really hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, my grandparents sent me out, and so yeah. I was driving from uh, basically Joy Road, you know, and Pearson, all the way to you know mm-hmm. Five Mile and Curtis to to uh-huh. Ref Reunion. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was it. Okay. All right. All right. So I know. Yeah, pulling up, pulling up with a car is always a good feeling when you're in school. Oh it's yeah. Like, oh, they ain't on the bus no more. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. You're the DJ at the end of the Detroit fireworks. Woodward and Jefferson, you get to play three songs. What songs you playing? Three songs. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um something that's E forty. Um <laughs> Okay. Okay. What what something songs you picking? E40. Uh let's see. Uh I mean, tell me when to go is fine. Okay. It's fine. All right, we're gonna it's go. Fine. It's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's over. Go, go, go. <laughs> leave. <laughs> Um, so yeah, E40, um, uh, let's see, let's see, let's do, uh, in this, in this, uh, day and age, let's put like, um, some Before I Let Go or some like old school jam or something on there. Just Frankie Beverly. Yeah. So people don't don't lose their shit when they leaving, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. You know, I'll give them E40 and then I'll bring it back down, okay. you know, because we want to leave peacefully, you know. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so let's do that. And then, uh, um, sh- last song, you got to do three, huh? All mm-hmm. right. Uh, mm-hmm. I got to think about what goes from there. Dang. Um yeah, Fang Bella Beverly version, not the Beyonce version. Not the Beyonce sorry. version. I'm sorry, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> the modern cookout uh, version. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and then, uh, 
I mean, let's just put on what's going on. Let's okay. put on what's Marvin going Gay. on. Marvin Gaye and then okay. everybody leaving with they with they heart full. You know, they gotta think about they uh, mm-hmm. making sure they get where they gotta go safely. You know. Okay. <laughs> and if you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be? Why? Woodward, one Detroiter. Um, uh, I don't know. Let's give it to Martha Reeves. Maybe, okay. Maybe Martha Reeves can have it. Dancing in the street. Yeah, let's give it to Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, she you love that. Yeah, they earned it. That's it. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, this interview. Real cool. Real cool. Uh, and look Word. to have you back. Word. Thank you for having me. Detroit is different. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.